Welcome to the really useful podcast from MakeUseOf.com. My name is Christian Colley and I'm joined this week by James Frew. Hi, James. Hello, Christian. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Thank you. You? Yeah, pretty good. Having a good week so far. I mean, it's a Monday, but there you go. <laughs> Excellent. Do you know, it is our 20th really useful podcast this week. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I only discovered myself uh, an hour or two ago, but yeah, we've done yeah. 20 of these. So, uh, thanks to all of you who've uh, been with us from the start and those of you who even joined last week. We are here to uh, give you the backgrounds and the information that you do need from the complicated techie stuff that's going on in the news. You can call us the tech podcast for technophobes if you like. We do. And in this week's show, we will be looking at how you can make Google Assistant sound like John Legend. I have no idea who he is. Well, <laughs> there you go. Uh, how you can play Snake in Google Maps, tools to improve your memory recall, details about Amazon order scams and how to avoid them, and a look at PC games that are still worth playing. We've also got news of a giveaway that's taking place on makeusoft.com, which you might be interested in. Uh, James, you're a bit younger than me. Who's John Legend? Um, he is a singer, songwriter, actor. Pretty much everything. He's the only person or one of the most recent people to win. I can't remember the acronym, but it's like a Grammy, a BAFTA. There's some like holy grail of awards and he's won it where okay. he's won every award going. And so I can't remember what the name is, but he's, he's very successful. Cool. Is that his real name? Uh, as far as I know. Right. Okay. It's a very fortunate name to have, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> isn't it just? Yeah. So um, Google Assistant have uh, added John Legend's voice. Uh, Google has announced that Google Assistant is getting six new voices late last year, and uh, including John Legend, and it is now available. And you can set it up to respond with John Legend's voice. Um, I don't use Google Assistant. I use Alexa. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I'm not 100% au fait with Google Assistant. I don't use it on my phone. Uh, yeah. I prefer to keep my... Uh, exposure to digital assistance minimal as possible uh you can uh enable legends voice in google assistant in two different ways you can either say hey google talk like a legend or go to settings assistant voice and select john legend it's only currently available in the u.s though oh that's a bit of a shame i was thinking of trying that out today have a bit of john legend in my room what, but what, i yeah what do you I think see, of this i mean it's it's kind of cool it's a bit of a novelty isn't it it's yeah. um about a decade ago, I think you had TomTom, uh, -tom, which was the go-to GPS course, yeah. units at the time, had lots of voices, celebrity voices. You could get guided around by people like um, the Grand Tours, Jeremy Clarkson, and uh, a well-known British actor called Brian Blessed, <laughs> which uh, if you haven't yeah. heard of him, I would Google him and uh, listen to some of his YouTube stuff. His voice is pretty intense. Have you uh, seen his alarm clock app? I don't think you can get it anymore, but it's out a few years ago on iPhone. Oh, no, I didn't. That would have been amazing. Yeah, it's a wake up like, wakey, wakey! <laughs> that would have been incredible. <laughs> I mean, this feature is kind of cool, I suppose. You can ask him specific questions, like, are you John Legend? What's your favorite type of music? Um, yeah, it's something else to play around with on the Assistant, make it kind of more fun. I don't know. I think they should. if they're going to do this, they should go kind of total with it and get everyone get everyone involved all the big names all the celebrities every yeah. celebrity 
Yeah. Have, have, have Donald Trump on your Google Assistant? <laughs> I'm sure there's people that would feel either way about that. But there's quite a few people who would probably yeah. enjoy it, uh, yeah. according to, uh, you know, elections. Um, you know, you get anyone. You could, you could. It would. Who would you? Who would be your fantasy Google Assistant voice be? Oh, I don't know actually. Um, it's got to be like a presenter or something. I think. Oh, while I'm thinking, what, what's yours? What's yours? All right, I've got two. Okay. Uh-huh. One is Alan Partridge. Oh yeah, that's a good choice. Who's a comedy character. My other is Tom Baker, Doctor Who. Yeah, those are both very good choices, actually. I think I agree with Partridge. I'd quite like to have Partridge. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Because <laughs> Steve, Steve Coogan's not busy enough at the moment. He could just sit down no, and record endless not, things yeah. for Google Assistant. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like he's making like three Alan Partridge series and like multiple mm. films every year or anything like that. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go back in time to Snake. Actually, mm-hmm. it's funny this has come up because I was, I've actually just uh, scheduled an article about uh, feature phones mm-hmm. um, using Kai OS, uh, which is quite popular in India and China. Um, and these these phones use Facebook, they have apps for Facebook and Twitter and other popular apps. But they're obviously, they're not smartphones. They're basically like the old Nokia banana phones, those kind yeah. of phones. So it's quite strange that Snake should come along now and be available to play in Google Maps. This was to celebrate April Fool's Day. And when I heard about it, I thought it was an actual April Fool. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can uh, you can actually play it in your browser as well as on your phone. That's the cool thing about this. Oh, I hadn't seen the browser one. I might have to yeah, try yeah. that out later. Yeah, That's yeah, a good way to I... waste waste the rest of the day. Totally. <laughs> so this is the classic mobile game Snake, where you um, control a line of, essentially, in the old the old way of doing it, you control a line of pixels around your screen. Uh, picking up food and it gets longer and longer and longer and eventually you're going to kill yourself by driving into guiding the snake into its own side or behind or whatever and uh, yeah google made this available in google maps and it's it's really simple to play snake on google maps you click start choose a destination and then you uh, click the link to uh, open snake it's a little bit it's not quite as simple as that but that's that's the general gist of it um you'll find this and everything else we talk about in the really useful podcast in this week's show notes so you can get the link to that but as i say you can also play it in the browser by uh, using using the same link so uh on your desktop so that's uh safe you're doing it on uh, as uh as, as james says it's a good way to waste some time uh any fond memories of snake yes actually i used to love playing that i remember actually when my dad got his first phone i think it was a business phone or something and it's probably late, late 90s so i was maybe 10 ish and um yeah i remember going out for meals and stuff and being like oh i can't wait to play snake and and then him he let me borrow his phone got to play it it was uh clunky on there but you know it was good fun and because those old nokia phones had massive keypads it was a lot easier i've tried some since on like smaller phones or on touchscreens i always find it a little bit more challenging because you know smaller controls yeah yeah I, i remember playing snake a lot it was a good fun game but then I reviewed the updated 3310, Nokia 3310, uh, about two years ago now, and it had some really horrible version of Snake on it. It said Snake, but it was actually some like weird, horrible version that right. uh, bore no resemblance to the original Snake, and it was very disappointing. It's one of the reasons it? I marked the phone down, actually. What was, while we're on the topic of feature phones, because obviously the the majority of people have moved from feature phones to smartphones, what yeah. was the last feature phone you had? 
Oh, it was a Nokia. Um, I can't remember the name. It was like 83 something, I think. Okay. So I don't was remember exactly. Uh, 2008, something like that. Yeah, yeah. My, my, I've, I've kind of had, I had an accidental one, which was a Samsung Toco, mm-hmm. which I, I uh, got from uh, T-Mobile under the auspices. I expected it to be a smartphone, but it turned out to be like a, a, a basic feature phone. It did have some apps, but it wasn't what I was expecting, so it went back quite, quite, brief, brief, uh, quite promptly. But the last one I bought and enjoyed prior to moving to smartphones was a Sony Ericsson 68i. Oh yeah, which is a nice little compact Nokia-style phone with a color screen and mm-hmm. basic, basic internet. And I had it for like two years. It was a really good little phone. Yeah, they were much more indestructible then. I think like oh, you yeah. could have them just for years and years, and you could drop it and throw it all over the place, and there weren't software updates to come in and obsolete it and things like that. So you had to get. Although I I still remember being like I don't know fourteen, fifteen, and going through the yearly or two yearly upgrade cycle for these phones which is funny because you look back on it and go there's literally no reason to get a different phone <laughs> yeah but you were so convinced because the, all the mobile plans and things told you you've got to get your upgrades you've got to make sure you've got your new phone and so you do it uh but yeah there's literally there was never a reason to do it they were all pretty yeah. much the same yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i um with this phone was the the, the phone i got afterwards was about two years later i got a um a Windows Mobile 5 <laughs> device. In fact, it might even have been a Windows Mobile 2002. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Um, this this little Sony Ericsson, I um, took it on a holiday to uh, to to Europe. When we went to Austria and we went into Germany for the beer festival in 2003. Um, and I was sat on the coach, spending a lot of money on mobile internet, trying to get um, mm. the late the latest football scores. <laughs> Uh, on the way to Munich, um, and then took photos and stuff with it, and it, it was fine. They weren't, you know, they weren't HD. They were good yeah. photos, some some of which we still use from time to time. So you know, mm-hmm. perfectly good. Does make you wonder about these uh, mini servers that we now carry in our pockets? Yeah, like how so, much do you really need everything that's on it? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. I mean, well, I'm actually thinking of downgrading mine at the moment um, because I've got a very good Sony. Uh, very good samsung tablet so mm-hmm. i do feel as though possibly my phone is actually doing stuff you know i don't really need it to do it's, you know, it's, it's overpowered yeah so yeah so, yeah i'm having so. i'm having the same debate at the moment like my google pixel i think has been obsoleted uh so the battery life is really bad it's the first generation pixel and um I'm looking at what I might do for an upgrade, but the the only thing that stops me getting either a feature phone or um or at least a cheaper model is the camera on the Pixel is just astonishing, and I, I can't let it go. I've looked at oh. samples of so many other phones, but I just I can't I can't leave the camera. I just enjoy the photos that it takes too much, so I'll probably end up having another Pixel device, I guess. But I'll, well, that- I'll try and hold it out a bit. That's one of the reasons I held on a Windows phone for so long, because the camera mm. on my uh, Nokia Lumia 950, I think it was, was yeah. so good. I mean, I've still mm. there's still photos. There's there's one on the internet um, when you Google me um, of my twins in the front garden playing with bubbles, yeah. and the and the sky is a beautiful shade of blue. The bubbles look amazing. The twins mm. were like th- two 
two years old maybe 18 months chasing these bubbles it's just such a fine photograph and yeah. there's nothing to fault it at all and i did a great article um looking at different um people were making movies with their Lumis and the way that people make movies mm. with iphones and you know the quality was it was there it was there was no difference between them yeah fantastic cameras on those phones with the carl zeiss lenses uh let's move on though while yep. we're talking about while we're talking about memories and recall <laughs> uh, we've um at makeuse.com we've uh, given you some tips on improving your memory and recall uh skills i um i've got terrible memory for names and faces mm-hmm. i must be honest but uh recently i've started uh well i say recently such <laughs> a good my memory is in, <laughs> in 2016 i think it was i started uh keeping a regular journal yeah which um has helped me remember stuff not just the stuff that happened then but like recall conversations and spin off from that for instance a conversation i had with my dad reminding me of uh live aid day back in 1985 mm-hmm. so i was wrote down the things that i recalled from that day um but you know recall and study can be difficult so uh, make yourself a comes uh, our colleague psychiatrist basu has collated a list of uh, five tips and tricks that require websites and apps now the first one is sans forgetica a font for study notes so rather than using your pen which is the best way to remember stuff is to write things down mm. always always has been the way um if you are typing there is a font that is designed for recall what have you, what do you think of this because I, I think it looks like a nice font but i'm not convinced it will work for me i've tried no, remembering I, the phrase that we've got on the screen there yeah and that hasn't worked yeah i keep going we do not remember days we do not remember moments which is not actually what it says <laughs> it yeah, says yeah. we do not remember days we remember moments um I mean, it's an interesting idea. Different things work for different people, but I think I'm quite similar to you in that I, I, I wouldn't find that particularly helpful. I don't think it would help me remember things. So the idea behind it is it's meant to be difficult to read, and because it's difficult to read, you spend longer processing it, and you're more likely to remember it. I think is the idea. Um, but how useful everyone finds that, I don't know. But it's certainly going to help some people. Otherwise, you know, it wouldn't exist. Absolutely. Uh, there's also the memorize by heart technique. Mm. This is an app that um, lets you uh, basically record your content. It transcribes it in the text and then you just recite back to the app to get an idea of how accurate your memorization, if that's even a word, is. Uh, this might work. I don't know. I... Uh, I mean, I haven't. I mean, I'm, I'm talking as if I remember stuff all the time mm. and I've got a great understanding of these things. But really, you know, the last time I did any severe sort of study, I was 16 because <laughs> um, my, my A-levels were nearly all like largely course based. And yeah. the, the, when I was all, all the university stuff I've done has been course based, mm. um, certainly the vast majority of it. So. I used to uh, record stuff on a on a uh, on a handheld tape recorder and then play it back with a speaker under my pillow while I went to sleep, hoping that I would learn things subliminally. Yeah, and did it I, help? I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> well, if Might you wake up helped. one morning and just start spouting something about you that you learned in your course, there yeah, you go then. Well, if you if you're talking Spanish when you wake up, then it might work. Yeah. Unless of course you were studying English, in which case you would probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, so the uh, 
the, the Memorize by Heart app for iOS is an option. It costs uh, $2.99. There's also a Chrome extension called Hibu, which is spaced repetition in your browser. This uh, helps you highlight anything you find interesting on the web and add a note. And then the power of space repetition takes over. Reminders pop up according to a well-established and scientific formula, which is, is, is more, this is more of a um, habitual uh, recall. Yeah. So, so to train you to, to like read the same thing over and over again. Mm. So yeah, I um, that's free. That's for Chrome. We, I want to move on to Peak though. This is brain training. Now there was a time when brain training apps were everywhere. Yeah, they were very, very popular, weren't they? There were even yeah. adverts on the TV and things for them. Yeah, yeah, and there was, uh, there was, wasn't there a, was there an app? There was voiced by Stephen Fry. Oh, maybe. I remember there was a DS game that was all about brain training. It was one of the main ways they tried yeah. to sell the Nintendo DS. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think there might be one with John Cleese as well, if I remember rightly, because um, I think I know the, the person who the script for that right and i'm pretty sure that was the john cleese project he worked on mm -hmm. so yeah um so there's a tool for android and ios called peak which is a brain training app which has been designed uh, developed by the university of cambridge and it also features a tool called decoder which uh, helps you test your attention and concentration powers. Um, that is a uh, premium uh, in-app in purchase, but Peak itself is free. So this mm -hmm. is another, uh, whether or not it's going to help you recall, it might just turn you into a genius and not help you recall. I don't, might, but, you, know, you know, I'd rather forget things and be a genius, I think. Totally, yeah. yeah. Who would? Yeah. Who would? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll move on to uh, number five, the Revere app, uh, which is for... Uh, never forgetting the people that you meet uh unfortunately it's for ios so it's absolutely useless to me because i use android yeah me too <laughs> but this is um this is actually something very interesting so i did, did a weekend event back in i think it was 2014 called startup weekend it's okay. sort of like a weekend where loads of people get together and it was actually at google's um what's it called google space google office whatever it was in london and um we came up with an idea for an app which was basically this which was you often forget people's names or it's hard to keep track of what conversations you have with contacts or people's birthdays, you know, like various information that you pick up about people. And it can be really difficult because then you go to meet someone or you've forgotten a date that you set or an event that they were going to, but it helps you build those relationships if you can remember those things. Okay. And uh, this looks like the app that we were thinking of for various reasons, we didn't end up getting it off the ground, but uh, Revere seems to be exactly that. It says you can take notes on people you meet, keep a record of all the important details, use reminders to follow up or say hello on special days. And, you know, that's exactly what I was thinking of when, when I did that startup weekend. So if I was iOS, I would definitely go for this. Excellent. Uh, yeah, that is uh, iPhone only. Yeah. Unfortunately. And it comes with a small fee of, is it 4.99? 4.99, yeah. $4.99, yeah. But Psychad does point out there is an alternative called Garden, which is similar-ish, and that is free, but it is also iOS only. Okay. Right. If um, We're going to move on now to uh, some... Uh, something that's quite important. Has you... Or has you? Has you? I has... Has you? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever ordered anything from Amazon and the item 
has failed to arrive. Now, here's an interesting thing. I once, this has never happened to me, but I did once order a book on Amazon and the order was inexplicably cancelled. And to this right. day, I still don't know why. Yeah. Uh, our colleague Dan Price has uh, compiled uh, some tips on what you should do if an Amazon order fails to arrive. And there are various things that can happen here. You can order an item and it takes a while to ship. You can order an item. It shows it's delivered, but it's never arrived. It is probably safer to order um, items that are fulfilled by Amazon because you have a certain bit of uh, protection with that. And Amazon do offer an A to Z guarantee. So the, the fulfillment thing. So there's two ways of buying from Amazon. Amazon yeah. has massive warehouses and they are filled with products. Some of them are sold by Amazon, but companies can also take up space in Amazon warehouses. And this means that they get to take advantage of Amazon's distribution network. So it's a lot quicker to get orders to customers. So you pay a little fee, you get to store it in Amazon, the thing goes quicker. But it also means that Amazon is responsible for getting the product to you. So it goes through Amazon's network, you know, the trusted network that Amazon has built up around the world. And that's why I think Dan is suggesting that if you go yeah. for a fulfilled by Amazon one, it's usually safer and more likely to turn up. And you do also then have more options for sorting out if it doesn't, because you don't have to go to a third party and try and negotiate with them. Sure. That should make absolute perfect sense. Um, it does It does to me. And if it, it does to me, dear listener, then it should to you as well. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, have you run into problems ordering on Amazon, James? Um, occasionally, but it's usually when <laughs> um, deliveries have been placed in unusual positions that I would not have in appreciated you know so like we have a, a front door mat and i had a big box come it was sort of um you know it was a relatively bit large box and to try and hide it they literally picked up the doormat and then put it underneath so there was just a doormat sitting on top of a box in front of my okay. front door. and i thought that's actually drawn more attention to it than if you just left it by the door you know and there's things like that because it, it indicates that you're not in you know and well, so what, what i wasn't very appreciative of it what um, if you were in and you'd open the door because you, maybe you'd have been in the bathroom, yeah, shower, yeah. but you opened the door and stood on the box. Yeah, exactly. It was a very <laughs> unusual situation. Um, the, weirdly, it hasn't happened to me very often that deliveries haven't turned up because I can only remember one. And it was from 2011 when I was at university and I'd ordered a textbook and it didn't turn up. And so I just got in touch even back then. You know, so we're looking seven, eight years ago, got in touch with Amazon. They just went. Okay, that's fine. We've cancelled the other order. There'll be another one on the way to you. And it turned up the next day. So, you know, Amazon is pretty good at taking care of these things when deliveries don't turn up. As with eBay, it's a good idea to check the reputation of the, of the seller on Amazon. Uh, I think maybe because of Amazon's reputation as being Amazon and eBay's reputation of being eBay, people maybe don't appreciate that although it's evident that there are third-party sellers on amazon that checking the reputation because they're on amazon you, you know you're all automatically talking about a brand with a greater reputation yeah. aren't you yeah so it's i think there's a chance that people are lulled into a false sense of security at ordering third party on amazon yeah yeah now i suspect that might be by design as well Probably, amazon wants yeah, you yeah. to think of it as a trusted place so that you would by default Go and order anything that's on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So um, as ever, yeah, as with eBay, check the reputation of sellers and just um, and check the rev- check the reviews, um, citations from uh, other buyers, um, find out whether the product is the thing that you're after, and if the seller is up to scratch, basically, if they're uh, mm-hmm. if they if they're likely to fulfil your order or not. Uh, as mentioned earlier on, this is an article on makeyourself.com and it will appear in the show notes for this week's really useful podcast um if this is the first time listening you can subscribe to us on itunes and all the other places where you get podcasts basically you can even find us on spotify and on youtube if uh, you don't mind looking at static photos of us if you just want it maybe you've got a youtube red or premium or whatever it's called now the premium subscription that allows you to listen to audio in the background yeah perfect yeah, you might have that perfect uh let's move on to our final main item and this is for those of you who've ever played PC games in the past and have felt an affinity with those titles that maybe you think, oh, I really fancy that game, but oh, I don't think it's going to work on Windows 10. Uh, we've, um, well, it was actually uh, one of the really useful podcast hosts, Gavin Phillips, who's compiled a list of 10 old PC games that are still worth playing and can still be played today. There's uh, some good titles in there. Theme Hospital, Baldur's Gate 2, OpenTTD, which is the uh, open source port of Transport Tycoon Deluxe from, uh, is that a 90s game, Deluxe? I have absolutely no idea. To be honest, I've never really been a big gamer, so a lot of these are lost to me. Okay, there's Fallout 2, there's Half-Life, which is, you know, it's in its own world is kind of legendary. There's Mm. Thief, which is a game which I've spent a lot of time playing back in the day. It's kind of a a uh, sneaking around game. There's StarCraft. There's Quake, which is one of the legendary uh, first-person shooters, multiplayer games of all time. Grim Fandango, System Shock 2. These are all great games, and they're all available on Steam or goodoldgames.com, or they've been open-sourced and they're actually free. Which is quite impressive, really. It is, isn't it? It gives it gives games an extra lifespan yeah. way after you know their their profitable phase has ended because uh i was actually in this category of like looking back at old games that i love to play so i've always loved crash bandicoot the original playstation series yeah and i was actually playing those like the old games like i downloaded some of them from the playstation store i still had a ps3 that was compatible with discs you know the old discs so i'd play the old games so when they announced the remasters a couple of years ago, I was like, I am totally on that. And I spent another yeah. like $40 or whatever it was. So there's a market for um for old games and the oh, nostalgic feeling. Yeah. 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 I, um, I was slightly <laughs> bewildered by the arrival of sort of HD remasters of old games mm. initially. But having tried a few now, uh, they're fantastic. There's, I mean, there's, there's a... And uh, I don't want to call it amateur because it's absolutely not amateur. Uh, there's a community-driven project that remasters, rebuilds Half-Life in the Half-Life 2 engine. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, there's Amiga games that have been remastered and released on Android and iOS. There's there's so many, and you know that you you're not losing that's kind of um 16-bit atmosphere it's just a bit polished for the hd yeah. displays but uh yeah it's um you know i was watching uh the news last week and they were displaying the um baftas 
these from the BAFTAs mm-hmm. uh, Video Games Awards. And, you know, the video game industry is sort of like twice as big as the movie industry. Yeah, it's enormous, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely huge. So it's great that these these kind of, I suppose these are the, you know, these older games, these are kind of the, 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 the silent movie era. Yeah, for, like the classic, video classic era. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, you can still play them and they're still great. Just like many of the silent movies and classic era of Hollywood are still great. Mm. So yeah, 10 games. Um, for PC, this is just PC that is still worth playing, but you can get either free because they're open source or you can get them still for a small fee on um, goodoldgames.com or Steam, which are both online distri- uh, digital distribution systems. Um, a quick tip. If you do have these old games in the original form, they probably won't work on Windows 10 anyway. Uh, if you are ca- handy, you know, if you feel capable of sit- setting up a virtual machine, you'll probably get them to install in a virtual machine. But if you're going to get them from uh, GOG, goodoldgames.com, or Origin, or Steam, then they will come compatible to run on Windows 10. Yeah. So that's that. And we're going to finish on a gaming topic. Uh, Make Use Of is giving away an Xbox One X. Ooh. And to enter, all you need to do is uh, sign up to the makeuseof.com newsletter. That simple. And they're drawing that on the, uh, or we're drawing that on the 15th of April. So get your subscription made quickly. I'll give you a link to that competition in the show notes. Uh, yeah. The great is- thing to know about that is that. If you are already a subscriber of our newsletter, you still need to go through the giveaway process. So make sure to head over to the link that uh, Christian puts in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Thank you, James. Uh, So that's uh, the really useful podcast. Uh, Just to recap, we have discussed uh, how to make Google Assistant sound like John Legend, how to play Snake in Google Maps, how you will improve your memory recall using these five tools, how to deal with Amazon order scams and what to uh, look out for, and a look at 10 old PC games that are still worth playing. This has been really useful podcast number 20. A uh, little fanfare there. And uh, that's all from James Frew and myself, Christian Corley. We'll be back for another really useful podcast next week. Until then, it's goodbye from us. Goodbye. <laughs>